If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good evening. Good evening. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, like I said, today we have uh, Dr. Daniel Jacobazzi scheduled here. Uh, he's from Chicago. Uh, you own Fix Me? Uh, Fix Me Physical Therapy, yes. Okay, sorry to clear that. And uh, so you are a, quite a firecracker. I love it. Uh, you're very outspoken on this matter, um, mandates, the vacuum. And uh, so I want to pick your brain or let you speak your mind, I should say, because we have thousands upon thousands of healthcare workers, nurses, you name it, messaging us. They're so scared of losing everything. They absolutely do not want the vaccine. And we're trying to find answers. That's understandable. As a podcast, you know, we don't have answers, but uh, we're, we're trying to give them a voice. And so I thank you for joining me. Okay. And hopefully you can help out with that. Well, so I guess the question is, where, where do we want to start? Do we want to start all the way at the beginning? How far back do we want to go? What's, yeah. the, what's the best best plan of attack? Let's start at the beginning. Yeah, the the very beginning. I mean, we could go back to 1969, actually, which would be the very first time a vaccine was attempted on a spike protein in humans, and it was the RSV virus. Um, they skipped animals, went right to toddlers. Uh, there was a very nice write up, and uh, Iowa State a PhD student did a really nice write up about it, and basically talked about how that thing uh, that we've heard about called ADEs or paradoxical immune enhancement uh, resulted. So basically uh, pre-therapy pre or pre, uh, pre-vaccination, the toddlers are being hospitalized at five, a rate of about 5% uh, of the overall infected rate. And then post-vaccination, they were being hospitalized at 80%. And uh, so, and, and it actually... Um, two two toddlers died in the the study, so that one was abruptly pulled. And then we move forward to dengue dengue fever, which I'm not sure what year that one came out. That one was rolled out in the Philippines. Uh, there are actually people on trial now for that because they are facing consequences. That one was also pulled, killed. Trial in the Philippines or here? Yeah, dengue in in Philippines, okay. which was which was pushed by guess who? Any guesses? Fauci. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Our main man Fauci behind behind a lot of this um, because he's got a massive financial incentive, I'm sure. But that's only conjecture, so I won't get into that. Um, <clears throat> but he's uh, he's historically on the on the wrong side of of things, and then of course we know that uh, with the the SARS SARS CoV one trial, there were two trials that I'm aware of: one that involved mice and one that involved ferrets, and uh, we well, we well, we've all seen that one. We know that none of those animals lived, and of course now we're we're going through COVID too. So, uh, I mean, really, for me, ironically, at the beginning of this, so there have been uh, actually March of 
2020, I had actually started reading a book called Beauchamp versus Pasteur. And history, uh, it doesn't always repeat itself, but it always rhymes. There's, there's, there's always, if you go back far enough, you can see, you can see patterns. And what we're seeing now was already, was basically just a reboot of what happened in 1918. What people don't know is that 1918 was driven by initially a bad back, bad batch of tetanus vaccines that were being pushed because they had expired and our soldiers were coming home from World War One, and everybody said, hey, you know, do your part, you know, be safe, you know, the whole usual thing. And then they, uh, well, we saw how that ended, right? And then, of course, they, they masked up and, our, and our, our hero, our Lord and Savior, as I like to call him, Anthony Fauci, actually wrote a paper in 2008 which talked about the number one cause of death during that pandemic, which was bacterial pneumonia, which was caused by guesses, masks. It's, it's, it's fascinating just to see how everything, uh, you can see the parallels. And then again, uh, how old are you? Probably not old enough to remember the HIV crisis. I barely oh, remember. Yeah. yeah, well, okay, I'm, I'm going to be 37. So, oh, you know, okay. Ryan's so, white, and I'm from Indiana. And oh, so Ryan White. Indiana. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that, that, was a, that was an interesting time because, uh, you know, when that, that first came out, um, this inter- interferon um, was supposedly going to be something that would be very useful in treating those people, but somebody pushed a medication called AZT. Any guesses to his name? Same man. Same man. This guy is just at the center of all this stuff. So AZT. AZT was actually responsible for killing most of the people that was tried on. It was, I believe, a chemo drug that was highly toxic and and not not useful, but they had a patent on it still. So, hey, good to go. And uh, so now, uh, now during the present, uh, and I'll put quotes around this one, pandemic doesn't meet any of the any of the terms for to qualify for a pandemic but the uh, only thing that was allowed for use in hospitals from march of 2020 to i believe uh, basically the fall of 2020 was rindisivir and well Fauci again behind behind that drug that drug was actually used or attempted to be used for Ebola when they were when they're trialing when we had the whole big Ebola scare. Right, Ebola is going to kill everybody. Um, we're talking about like early '90s scare. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So um, when that when that was trialed, it actually was so toxic that uh, 30 percent of the people had to be pulled off of it. It killed a bunch of them, but patents still on it. So they figured they'd repurpose it and use it for this, and. Uh, <clears throat> There is a lot of conjecture that that massive kill rate in the United States was a result of using remdesivir instead of, well, you know, am I allowed to say the other medications or no? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's fine. Uh, instead of hydroxychloroquine, which there's a, um, there's a really great site, um, HC, I believe it's hcqtrial.com, which lists all of the studies associated with HCQ, how well it works. Um, ivermectin, uh, which we're aware of. I mean, there was a, it's a was pre-print. Actually, Go ahead. I was actually speaking on a, a previous podcast. Well, first, guys, I'm sorry I'm looking down, but I'm the way we're set up, I can't look at the camera. I'm looking at my laptop. I'm sorry. But uh, what I was going to say is I was actually on hydroxychloroquine for a full year. I had just stopped a couple months ago, not for COVID, for okay. an autoimmune 
condition. Autoimmune, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I have an extremely rare disease, uh, a form of vasculitis. Okay. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Uh, but so anyways, and I still take methotrexate every week. Okay. I'll be taking it tomorrow. Uh, okay. The highest dose you can take um, right. without staying in a hospital setting. Uh, so I'm going to pick your brain about that too. But uh, as far as hydroxychloroquine, when I was taking it, I was around one, my wife's a nurse right. coming home with, from COVID patients. Um, thank God she never got COVID. She followed every single protocol. Uh, and I've been at work with people that had COVID and no one knew about it. I've been around other people. I never caught it. Maybe genetically, I can't get it. Maybe hydroxychloroquine say, you know, I don't know. Sure. It's a, it's a great, it would be, it would be successful as a prophylactic. Um, and so since, since we're talking about hydroxychloroquine, we also know that, that, uh, you'll probably recall that Lancet study that was put out and they're like, Oh, hydroxychloroquine is dangerous. It's giving, giving patients heart, heart issues is causing problems for patients. Yeah. You know, like, like the, the, the panic porn that they poured on that thing after, um, I will say something political orange man, bad mentioned it briefly in a, in a, in a press conference. And then all of a sudden all this, just massive blowback, uh, from the media regarding its use. And when you look at the study that used in the Lancet, they were using four to five times the daily dose. And uh, you probably know HCQ has a really long half-life. You don't have to dose up on that stuff regularly. I'm not an MD. I'm not going to pretend to be an MD, but I can read, I can read studies. And so they were giving four times the, the allowable dose, sometimes five times the allowable dose within a 24-hour period, and they just kept loading it up. They didn't ever taper it, and they did that over three days. So, again, I was taking, uh, I, was taking I want to say, 100 milligrams in the morning and 100 at night. Oh, they were, they were doing grams. Yeah, a day. that was it. Yeah, grams a day. So of course it's going to be a, a failure. And then of course, um, you know, I made the mistake early on of attempting to, I'll say, educate, inform. Um, I have a pretty large email list, and I actually sent out uh, something regarding vitamin D. You probably saw the study we talked about vitamin D. If your vitamin D level is over thirty nanograms per milliliter, or yeah, per deciliter, excuse me, per, per deciliter, your um, your odds of dying drop by like 70%. I mean, it falls, it falls off of a cliff. Vitamin D, you know, activates 900 separate gene processes in the body. I mean, it's just, it actually acts as a probiotic prebiotic for all the gut bacteria. And of course we know that our gut is responsible for probably 80 plus percent of our immune function. All those little guys are fighting for us. Right. Yep. And so So in in my uh, autoimmune journey, you know, I had to go back to, starting at the gut. Yeah, absolutely. Everything, everything starts in the gut. And so that was the other, you know, part of my journey last year, I actually um, finished a chiropractic nutrition course that was all centered around the gut. And then I actually took a second course, which is MD based um, for slowing cognitive disorders. Um, All gut, I mean, everything comes back to the gut. And that, you know, that's where, you know, dealing with the spike protein, you know, we, if, if our gut's not working, functioning well, we're going to have issues. And so, you know, vitamin D, we've all heard vitamin D, quercetin, um, vitamin C, the zinc, AG, all of these things that we can just take on a regular basis, more than likely, you're not going to have any issues. And so um, back on uh, hydroxychloroquine, the, uh, the trade name is Plaquenil. 
And so I found um, something very interesting in France. France is so, so, so very tightly um, tied to North Africa. It's actually a, and I didn't know this, just found it in research. It's a, it's a very cool vacation spot for them because they can just pop over. It's really close. And of course that used to be a colony, right? And so one of the things that you can get over that could get over the counter and in France was hydroxychloroquine because it's used for malaria. And so everybody was traveling. Oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go to North Africa. I can pick up some HCQ. In the fall of 2019, a, an advisory group in France, not composed of pharmacists, not composed of MDs, not composed of any healthcare professionals made a decision that it should become a list one, which over there means prescription. So by January 15th of 2020, hydroxychloroquine was then no longer over the counter, but had to be prescribed. So, big and so, so they knew there, there seems to be, I can't say they, you know, I hate to say that they knew there seems to have been long-term planning with regards to what's going on. And that, you know, that's, that's every, every aspect when you're talking about whether we're talking about the medications or, um, you know, up to 2019, you mean? Yes, correct. Prior to even when we talk about, you know, bat soup, bat soup was not responsible for this episode, right? And we all know that there are emails for Fauci petitioning for restoration of funding um, for the gain of function experiments. And then there was the the nature, uh, the article in Nature that was published about um, using bats to create a, a, a virus that jumps from, from bats to humans for a gain of, fun- I mean, like this all of this. Question. This is what I can never understand. And, it, and I don't know why people can't just stop and just think about this. Why on earth are we playing God? Why are we creating something that has never existed? I do not understand it. And I will never understand it. Uh, you, you can't, uh, you know, they're, they're, the argument from our, our, our uh, again, our friend Fauci is that, oh, that we can learn stuff from it, which is ridiculous. Why would you want to create a virus that hops species that never, never would have happened without help? The whole, they, there was, a, again, a concerted effort. You have to, basically what they do is they take the, uh, the virus from the, from the bats and then put it into basically auger plates that have, um, you know, transitional cells and they just keep growing it, keep growing it, keep growing it until they get something that crosses all the way, can make it all the way across. And then, then, then you've had, you've got your I mean, simplifying, but then you have your, your, your virus that can hop, hop species. And so the, the whole thing smacks of something darker. I mean, you, I don't, you know, what can you say? So, I, so two years ago, was, was it, it was Harvard, correct? What's that? Uh, two years ago, the, the big story that was covered up, it wasn't it research being done in Harvard in oh, right. Wuhan. Right. So I, and I can't remember the fellow's name. He, he got caught. He got in the caught. airport. Right? Yep. He got the caught um, trying to get out of the country. He, he was being paid a hundred and either, it was either 80,000 or $150,000 a month. He set up, he helped them set up the labs. I mean, when you look at all of that labs, I mean, I did write notes on this part. Um, uh, well, where's that? So, <clears throat> GlaxoSmithKline mm-hmm. helped help pay and build the Wuhan lab. GlaxoSmithKline also owns Pfizer, 
Wuhan lab, of course, funded. And so the number they, they used for, for the NIH was, was just supposedly funded. He said there's only like 3.7 or $3.8 million. Actually, Dr. David Martin talks about it being nearly $100 million or more, even more that, had, that has gone over there that had been back-channeled and hidden in, in, in uh, basically shell corporations. And then, of course, um, GSK is managed by BlackRock. And, of course, uh, Soros has a, has a heavy share and all of that. I mean, there's just all of these tentacles from everything. Um, nobody wants to talk about it because it's conspiracy theory, right? Well, nobody, we don't talk about it because who owns all of the media? Right. I mean, we're talking about the hedge fund, the, those hedge funds, BlackRock, Vanguard, all those big hedges, um, you know, farm own massive shares in the pharmaceutical companies. We're talking I mean, about billions of G- dollars. GSK is everywhere. My favorite toothpaste. People are going to laugh. Aquafresh. <laughs> I just love it. I, I have to have it. GSK. It's everywhere. I mean, God, they own everything. It's ridiculous. Well, you, you need to find a new one because you're supporting them. So stop. I know, I know. <laughs> Not to mention super high in like probably too much fluoride in yeah, well, that's an issue too. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother discussion, but it's, it's fascinating. Um, but like, I mean, every aspect of everything that's happening, there's so many things going on that it can't be just coincidence. I, I, have you ever, you ever heard of Tony Robbins? Yeah. Okay. So Tony Robbins, you know, he uses NLP, which is that neuro linguistic programming. So basically words is a programming tool to, change change how you think or change how you focus on things and and it's fascinating because when you look at at what we're being bombarded with uh you know especially at the very beginning is fear 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 and so when you when you mess somebody up you know mentally and, and take away you know the anchors to their to their normal daily life they're very susceptible to programming and you know that explains why when when we i mean you and I, and I don't know, and I still don't understand. I mean, I guess I understand why I've been outside the medical system. So I kind of see things differently from, from the get-go, but why other people seem like completely aware of, of things that are happening. And it's, it's completely obvious. And others, you know, I had a discussion with a former patient and uh, I just watched him post the other day. Uh, and he's a nice guy. This is what I don't understand. He's, he is a nice guy. He's not a bad person. He's just not. Um, he posted, you know, they need to have a separate island for everybody who's been unvaccinated, who's not vaccinated. The, deep end, right? the complete deep end. So I have oh, I'm friends with so many high school teachers and oh boy. educators along the way, and mm-hmm. they become family friends. And I love them to death, you know, but I couldn't believe some of the things that they would say to me, like on Facebook. And like, even own relatives that just like unfriend, like, ah, oh, social media is ridiculous. But it, it's... It's, but it, it's become acceptable. It's they're poisoned, it, and it's like just stop for a second, you know. Come back to just focus on the present, you know. It's oh man, we're it's in challenging. It's challenging, and then so and so like that, that you know that brings in like you know we're, they're talking now about mandates and and how um, Fauci even just said you know recently that how within I think by September that, that the FDA is going to have have approval for these shots. Well, you know unless things change dramatically, which, Hey, it may happen, but for an FDA, for something to be FDA approved, they actually have to release all of the trial data, all of it. So we just heard, and you probably heard about this. They just filed a a lawsuit in the federal court, federal circuit court in Alabama a week or two ago, because they have a whistleblower. Did you see that one? 
I just read headlines. I didn't dig deep into okay. it. So they have uh, they the, the programmer. So apparently there are 11. I didn't realize this. I thought there was just one big platform. There are apparently 11 different platforms that collect all of the adverse side effects. And this programmer <clears throat> was in charge of just one, which apparently is the pretty big one. Uh, but she said, and she's under oath, her, her testimony is under oath, under penalty of perjury, said that over 50,000 people have died within three days of receiving the thing. Oh my gosh. So I don't see how it's possible that you can FDA approve. Now, and again, this whole last 18 months has been stretching uh, the, the, our reality to things that pause should for, Pause you for one second. Everybody that's watching and listening, this is what you've been asking for. Now you, you hear what he's saying. You can also do your own homework and find these articles and, and read. But man, I, I just hope it's never FDA approved. Um, <clears throat> well, it just know, knows the answer, no matter so the what. The question is, okay, if, if government's running everything else, how is the FDA not susceptible to... Oh, no, I, I would, I mean, it's, it's definitely susceptible. I mean, because when you look at the messaging that they're putting out right now, I mean, the FDA, CDC, every, everything, everything's working in concert towards, towards this end. And again, you know, if you let your mind run, you can, you, you can kind of come to some really crazy conclusions and I, I, there's no point in going there. I mean, like all, like I said, all of this, I mean, when you talk about, you know, the cases, I mean, if you look at the Delta variant, the Delta Delta variant. First of all, they don't even <laughs> they don't have a specific test for the Delta variant. I had an argument at dinner the other night with a nurse. I went out with a bunch of nurses, right? And one I didn't happen to know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it brings it up, you know, listening to my conversation, she butts in Uh-oh. talking about the Delta variant. I'm like, there's not even a test for the Delta variant. Yes, there is. Oh man, it exploded. But no, no there's not. There's, there's not even a test. There's not even a test for COVID. I can't even believe they came up with the name Delta. Like, are you serious? Yeah, they just, they just, again, it's just making stuff up. I mean, we were talking about like just, just testing in general. Um, if you look, there's a, an EUA white paper on the PCR testing, which the CDC put out. Um, my memory's not great, but uh, like it was July of 2020, which explained the process. And if you get to, I believe it was like page 41. Um, that's as far I stopped reading after that, because then I realized it was garbage. Uh, they said that, since no known isolates of COVID-19 are available, characterized stocks were being used. Well, what are characterized stocks? Well, they just throw in H1N1, influenza A, influenza B, and just jumble it up and say, if anything matches it, then, hey, you're a positive test. And then uh, Corman and Drosten uh, were the guys that came up with that PCR test. And it is a miraculous. Their, their test testing procedure got approved in under 30 days. And I don't know if you're familiar with um, medical literature research or peer review. I, mean, we're I, talking. I am not. Okay. I'm There's not. a minimum, generally a minimum of six months before you can get anything approved. I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a process. And usually there's some back or and forth. Is your paper published? Yeah. Yep. Yep. They got through, Corman and Drossen got through peer review in under 30 days and got published. And so there's actually an excellent review, um, by that was submitted to Euro, Euro surveillance where it was initially published and they just shredded it there's a 61 page rebuttal to it and um, basically over after 24 25 you're, you're you're familiar with the concept of cycles right or no no okay yes you are, yes, you are? 
you know, cycling the PCR test, right? So, um, Carrie Mullis, who was the inventor, who that's a great loss. We, um, it's an unfortunate coincidence that he passed away in the fall of 2019 because he would have been, he was the inventor of this test. And basically just, you know, every time you run a cycle of a, of a PCR test, you're just Xeroxing it's copy of a copy of a copy of a copy enlarging. Right. And so Mullis, you know, despised Fauci with the way they use PCR testing for HIV and said, basically, if you look in any one of us for anything after enough cycles, you can find it because you're just, you know, there's an error rate after 24 cycles, it ceases to be accurate. It's never meant to be used as a standalone. It's only, only to be used with clinical diagnosis. Um, after 35 cycles, it's a 97% false positive rate. And after 45 cycles, which is what they were running in Illinois, I know for sure. After 45 cycles is a hundred percent false positive rate, which means everybody that got tested was going to be positive. And this whole asympt- asymptomatic is a healthy individual. I, the whole thing doesn't, doesn't make any sense. You're not, you're not spilling out viral particles, uh, unless your unless your immune immune system has been overrun and you have to have symptoms for that to happen. It just doesn't make sense. And then that's uh, the initial paper. They had initial paper that they published in January, February, I think February or March of 2020 that talked about um, an asymptomatic spread. Well, there was a retraction or rather, excuse me, an addendum printed in July, I think July, around July 15th of 2020, very quietly, didn't make any, didn't get any press where the people who wrote the paper said, oh yeah, well, the person that was supposedly responsible for the asymptomatic transmission, we never actually contacted her to ask her if she had symptoms. When they got a hold of her, she's like, oh yeah, I felt like crap. I had a fever for a few days. So the whole thing about asymptomatic transmission was based on that one paper, one single paper. And, And it turned out six months later, four months later, that it wasn't even even valid i mean there's just again it's just so much like you said there's so many things how can you not see what's going on and so in in your in in your clinic when, when you see your patients how many of them come in asking you questions are you you know, we don't get now, it seems to have settled down, you know, initially, we, we did get a lot of questions um, about, you know, whether they could come in or not. And of course, I wasn't concerned. I mean, to be honest, I think um, that I actually had it January of 2020. I had this weird dry cough that I couldn't shake. It was really mild. I had one night of fever. I mean, it wasn't anything. I didn't think, and they, you know, we hadn't, things hadn't been blown up yet. So I wasn't even paying attention to it, but I had this dry cough. And then there was a couple nights, um, whereas, you know, felt a little bit constricted in my chest. I have a dry sauna, just went in there, banged it out. And, you know, after three or four days that was gone and didn't affect my performance. I exercise regularly and I track all my, you know, my, my vitals, my heart rate for exertion efforts, all that good stuff. You're an Auburn athlete. I, I, I am a proud Auburn tiger. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Right. That's way, way back, but yes. <laughs> awesome. Years so ago. actually I want to say um January, February, March, about March or April, I got sick. Okay. Got the back aches. Oh, right. A little fever. I'm like, man, I better go get tested. So I went and they actually tested gave me three swabs. 
and I was negative for COVID, positive for influenza A. Well, it still exists. Yeah, no, it doesn't. No, they did. You see the CVS CVS notification? They no longer do flu shots because it's no, not the flu shot. I'm saying I. No, but but I'm saying I'm I'm saying no influenza. Oh, they don't even vaccinate for it. Influenza A is not. It doesn't exist anymore. They don't have tests in the hospital for it. (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah, oh. one of my one of my friends. Um, Isn't that the worst uh, variant of flu? The flu? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she went. She went to the hospital, and the uh, the her physician, who was seemed like a decent human human being, like an upright kind of guy, is like, "I'm trying to get you tested for influenza A. They don't have any test kits, zero, none. So in the whole hospital. So how did it? How did I get it? I, they must not have run out yet. <laughs> I'll tell you, I went to an awesome, a, a new company, Northwest Indiana, uh, Midwest Express. They're actually sponsored. Or, oh, okay. Chris Bryant was with them before he got okay. traded from the Cubs. Okay. You know, he was on all the billboards, but no, they were awesome. I, I went right in. And so anyways, I, that cleared up in a day, maybe, maybe two. That's exactly right. Okay. Wow. You're young, yeah. you're, you're young and you're healthy. I mean. I mean, even even with your autoimmune yeah. issue, you still you still beat it. And honestly, after having that, like I have zero fears, zero. Well, you, now your immunity is is set up. You've got you've got the T cell. You got you got everything. You're you're good. I mean, you know. Honestly, in 2019, so here's something interesting. I actually got a flu vaccine in 2019 on the advice of Northwestern. No. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but are you a Star Wars fan at all? Of course. Okay. So for the first time ever, Star Wars Celebration came to Chicago. Okay. And it was at McCormick Place. Oh. This is huge. This is a big deal. They only have them when, when, um, you know, the chapter movies come up. Right. Sure. The big one. So the last one, uh, I had five day tickets. Took the family. Oh, nice. (laughs) What I didn't realize, I mean, I did, but it didn't really hit me until it was too late, was that right. people come from all over the world because they're, they love Star Wars, right? Sure. All over the world. Yeah. So I bang out, I, and, I, and I made it to every single um, uh, panel. They had panels. So they had uh, 20th anniversary of Phantom Menace, all, you know, the Mandalorian panel, Galaxy's Edge, and they have all the actors, whatever. So I go into Wintrust Arena for every panel. Okay. 7,000 people packed in this arena. Right. Last day, feeling fine, knock it out. I come home. The minute I pull in my garage and get in the house, I started feeling fluish. Oh, you know, my back ached, ached. And that's what happens. It always starts in my back. Right. And I and laid down and I balled up and my fever just took off. Well, and that's actually a good thing. So I ended up hobbling out to the kitchen and it was getting dark quick and I passed out and I woke up on a stretcher. Wow. So I go to the local hospital and they're tested me, treating me. We don't know what's wrong. And I felt like death when I woke up and I was sitting there, I knew deep down something was seriously wrong. Something's wrong. I've never felt like this in my life. And I'm there from like seven o'clock all the way. It's midnight shift change. They're getting ready to send me home. I'm like, I am not leaving this emergency room. There's right. something wrong with me. Sure. I was still at, I was still at 104. Um, 
And the doctor came in, he's real sympathetic. And he's like, he's like, listen, man, I could get you to stay, but I got to give you a spinal. Oh, I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> You're mad, I'm in. man. <laughs> I got, I got to, I have to know what's wrong. So he sure. draws, he draws a spinal and uh, clear, good. They don't know what's wrong with me. And they're testing me for everything. And to this, I spent five days in that hospital. Well, that could have been, when, when was the actual day? It was, um, March, I mean, sorry, March, April, May. Uh, it had to be April. It had to be April of 2019. So we know COVID was in China, right? Yeah. Early 2019. Yeah. Um, I just wonder if I had it. If somebody came over and gave it to you. Because for the um, event, that, that's, yeah, that that's, event was that's three days of extreme fever, uh, two days. Well, you don't want to know the rest. I mean, yeah. it just <laughs> it just annihilated me. Right. Uh, but it took uh, five days. That's interesting. Yeah, they don't because they don't really have a release date, and and we don't know if there's something getting out beforehand or not. I mean, there's just there's so, there's so many knowns, but there are also so many unknowns because everything's being covered up. I mean, they didn't. You know, they sent the guy Barrick. The guy that's responsible for all of this, he was the one that was sent over to investigate in Wuhan. You know, that's like sending the criminal who committed the crime to, to investigate the crime scene. And then China had, what, a year to, to, to clean up? The whole, the whole thing is just, again, there's so many things going on. It's hard to believe that people don't see what's happening. So you know, go ahead. Oh no! Okay, good. Um, just and just in terms of like good resources, I mean, you know, of course, as you are aware that YouTube, there's a, there's a lot of strikes on <clears throat> not people that are speaking out, but on um, on Rumble, doctors to look for would be like Mike Yaden, um, Dolores Dolores Cahill, an epidemiologist from Ireland, um, Dr. Lee Merritt, she's actually a former bioweapons um, MD for the United States. Um, oh, so you're on Rumble. So everybody's been telling us to hit Rumble. Get your stuff on Rumble. Okay. It, it, it seems to be safer. It seems to be less less likely to get. Well, I haven't seen any get, get tagged. You know, Zelenko's. I see Zelenko videos on there all the time. Um, you see, um, like the uh, Stu Peters. Have you seen the Stu Peters and Peter King interview yet? No. Oh. Okay, that was very interesting. So did you see Alberta, Canada abruptly dropped all their restrictions? I did see that. Out of the blue. It's kind of weird. Like, why? Well, it turns out that Peter King, um, who is, this is very interesting. This is a dubious, a dubious honor. There are apparently two people in the world that are not allowed to use Google products. Number one is, is Orange Man Bad. And number two is Peter King. Literally, if he signs up for a Gmail address, even if it's in, under a pseudonym, on a VPN, they figure out it's him. They kill his account immediately. Wow. They, they do not want that man talking at all. That is so, I did not know that he was banned from all Google products. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> this is frustrating. I'm sure that would be incredibly frustrating, but it's kind of funny at the same, same time. But he uh, had a court date and went in and, and subpoenaed the public health director of, of the province of Alberta and said, um, I think her name is Hinshaw, and said, hey, uh, please bring in a, a proof that you have isolated sample of COVID-19, which is the basis for all of the measures that we're taking, you know, so that we know that there's a reason for me being ticketed. He's got like a $1,200 ticket for um, being outside close to 12 people or something. You know, one of the candidates is pretty crazy sure. right now. Uh, so managers, they try to switch the court dates. They try and say that he's going to be dismissed, all this good stuff. Anyway, he gets to court. 
um, the lawyers for the crown show up and say, yeah, uh, we don't have any evidence to present. And the judge is like, excuse me, like they don't have any proof that COVID has been isolated, that a COVID has been isolated, that that COVID now something that does exist. I'm not saying that, but they do not have a virus isolated. So the following day, I believe, public health director comes on and says, yeah, we're going to, we're going to open up. Their media went nutty. They went absolutely batty on her. Like, we don't understand our cases are rising. We're all going to die. We should be masked, all this stuff. And she didn't even, didn't even flinch. She's like, yeah, what about the restrictions are over? We're just going to have to learn to live with it. That is amazing. Yeah. So, hey, I mean, we're, we're, they're still rolling that's that and, and so that's that's the, the takeaway is that you just keep saying no yeah okay gotta, so gotta keep so saying no i'm taking off on that mike must be watching where he's at he, he sent me a message he says uh ask for your advice okay for all the health okay. workers that are being okay. given the ultimatum i'm not this is not legal advice right i'm not a lawyer yeah. well, no we tell people we're, we don't we don't give legal advice but so uh, number one is that unless you got hired, this is my understanding from what I've heard and read so far, unless you were hired specifically within your employment agreement saying that you have to take a COVID shot, you don't have to take a COVID shot. They have to make accommodations for you, whether that's, you know, the honorous obnoxious testing, yeah. you know, that, that, that may be, but unless it's in your agreement that you have to take that shot, they cannot force you to take a non-FDA approved drug. They cannot do it. It is against the law. And I don't remember the specific federal code, but there is one that that exists that applies to this. Can't be done. So, you know, are you going to get heat? I mean, I have a friend who's in California and she got directed to a well, basically a re-education seminar. And there was, she said there was probably about, there were probably about 70 people in there. So if your, if your organization has one of those, when you go there, talk to everybody, get together. Because re, the reality is if, if they, if they're going to, going to show their ass, they're, they're going to fire you. That's fine. We know the class action is 30 or more people. So if you get 30 or more people who are fired without cause that does not have uh, an agreement that requires them to take an experimental drug, you know, your, your shot's a lot better at actually getting them to back down from it because they don't want, they don't want all that. This is just a bully game. They just want, they just, they're just trying to push you around. You know, they're saying like, um, and I didn't realize this is heard that, you know, the, the, um, in terms of demographics, the black population 30%, only 30% of the black population has been vaccinated in the United States. Seems, seems that, that they've learned their lesson after what happened at Tuskegee all those years ago. They're, they're, they're rightfully fearful and, and skeptical of what the government has to offer. So and all of this- way, For everybody, it's been mentioned several times, you can go to the CDC website and they have the story right there for everybody that says they lied to these people and did not collect consent from anybody. And you know the rest is history. Absolutely, and and there's there's not adequate conformed. See, that's a biggie right now. So Nuremberg, you know, happened because there was not informed consent. There's, there's no adequate informed consent occurring right now. People have to understand what they're taking. They have to understand it's experimental. They have to understand that there's a risk of death. They're not being told any of this by their physicians. It's it 
it's kind of disheartening to me because, you know, the, the first thing with the, being a physician is, of course, above all, do no harm, right? And, and, and how everybody's on board with this and not recognizing, I mean, like, you know, my first, my first career was actually as an engineer, so I'm actually a pretty data-driven guy, or at least I like to think I am. So, you know, it, numbers always been something that kind of appealed to me and easy to me, easier for me. And it's like, you're looking at the numbers and there's no way anybody, I mean, even if you're looking at the, the we'll call it the massaged data that is appearing on, on VAERS, you know, 10,000 people died. That, that's more in, in eight months than have been registered in 15 years on VAERS. How, how does that not throw a flag? And swine flu, um, Again, I love this guy, Fauci. Um, swine flu got pulled after, I think, like 46 deaths. And it was immediately after that that he pressured Reagan into signing um, the, the, that, that injury act, the vaccine injury act, saying, you know, hey, we, we got to have these vaccines. So if we don't indemnify the, the drug companies, they're not going to produce them anymore, which, of course, wouldn't be the end of the world as far as I'm concerned, but whatever. So then it was signed. And so then 86, then they got carte blanche. And then so from 86, we went from having, I don't know, what, six, six or seven childhood vaccines. So now by the time they're 13, they have like 72 shots or something like that. Obscene. Yeah, I was I, talking to, to Tony, my, my good friend, Steven, he said it was over 80. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm low. 72 is that. 82 is what he told me. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just insane. And like, you look at the back to that book you know if anybody it's a mind bender because it's really, really going to change your perspective in terms of, of of how the body works but Beauchamp was a brilliant guy and the book Beauchamp versus Pasteur talks about um vaccination and and terrain theory and all that good stuff and it's just like when you look at what's happening like the viral escape so like the delta variant more than likely the delta variant is because of what they call a leaky vaccine or basically, you know, you're injecting something into a body, the body's going to mutate or the, the, the thing that you're kind of going after is going to mutate and, and become more aggressive and more defensive as opposed to every other, like if we look at the cold, right? No vaccines for the cold, no real treatment for the cold. What happens to that virus? Any, every, pretty much every virus that we haven't messed with over time mutates, become more contagious and less deadly because it doesn't want to kill the host. That's not the goal. The goal is to coexist. So, you know, you know, my conjecture, and again, this is just my, my thinking that most people just they're not even there. Like they don't even it's 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 and it's a lot to contemplate because when you think about, you know, like <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna say the government's looking out for our our best interests, but it's hard for it's hard for people to understand that they're actively doing harm to them. And, and that that really seems to be what's happening. It's 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 a big deal. I just watched a really neat um, video on Rumble uh, with Zelenko, who's talking to Israeli uh, health health department officials and the uh, minister of health, and that they, they were just basically in disbelief at what he was telling them. He's like, "I can prove it all," and they're just like, "Well, why why aren't we hearing about this?" And then you know, why aren't they hearing about it? Uh, a nice little fun fact. Um, Pfizer and the Israeli government have a binding agreement that no adverse events will be reported for a decade, meaning until 10 years after this trial is over, that will be sealed. So they're not even telling their population, population what's, what's happening to them. It's, it's 
it's my especially in, in for for the Jewish people. I mean, given what they've gone through, that the whole the whole never again does. I mean, it's it's it's. I don't know. I'm just flabbergasted, honestly. Jeez. Like Mike was saying the other day, he's like, how long is it going to be before we get a commercial on TV saying, if you had adverse reactions to your COVID vaccine? You never get it. Never. That never, never happened. Prep Act, make sure that there, there's no, the only, the only avenue that I would see going forward for that would be against the providers themselves for lack of informed consent. The drug makers are clear. They're free and clear. So they're just, they're just clearing profits. The only people that can be attacked will be the physicians who chose to administer these interventions without number one, adequately researching and, and number two, providing informed consent. What a mess. It is. Because, you know, the government should take this shipment, get it out as fast as you can. Yes, sir. Right. And they have like, now there's like, you notice there's this huge push. They've got, apparently they've got millions of doses that are about to expire. And now there's this. And there were previously millions of doses that expired. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And they're, they're not, and now they're mixing and matching doses. So they're mixing Moderna with Pfizer, Pfizer with, it's like. Bad idea to begin with. But now you're taking. Contents are going to be a whole different episode and we'll get to that one too. Yeah, uh, yeah. another conversation I was having, and, and, horrifying. and how there's not really a placebo and whatever. Well, no, they, they, they convinced that they right. They convinced the people in the control group to to take the vaccine, so they have no controls. Yeah, it, it's, it's 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 again so it's falling short on so many different levels, and you can of course you know you can't question the science. You know, if you question anything they're doing, then you're you know you're killing grandma. Sure, right. Yeah. or what's wrong with you so it's just there's a lot of things going on that don't, don't make sense for people who are, who are awake you well know? we uh we have this conversation and keep having conversations and hopefully hopefully everybody's listening and and uh communicating and standing strong together and you know freedom of choice absolutely don't be and yes don't be disheartened um don't don't comply don't be bullied into complying don't believe this garbage that you don't have a choice. You always have a choice. You always have a choice. I keep hearing comments. I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm going to leave. No, don't, don't quit. That's exactly Take right. Them. That's no. right. Exactly. Right. They're, they, they will continue as long as you comply. You cannot comply your way out of tyranny. It is not going to happen. They, so, they, well, I was just going to say with, with all your, you know, I see your posts. Uh, do you want to tell the listeners and watchers uh, maybe like your social media handles so they can stick it's with just, you? And- I, I just, I think it's just Daniel Jacob Ozzie on, on, on Facebook. And I'll post the links too. And I, and I would say you could come, come find me on Twitter, but I've, I've, I've had four accounts detonated. So. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So January, just uh, actually December of, of, uh, 2020, I, I didn't have that many followers. I had like almost, I was around 3,000 followers. And I literally had just hit enter on an article that talked about hypercapnic response to wearing uh, masks, meaning low oxygen dials down your, your, your immune system. Hit the enter button, boom, your account has been disabled. I was like, whoa. And I made the mistake of doing it on my phone. So then they get your IME, they must have your IMEI number. So anytime I tried to create another account from that, it was it was instantly suspended. Wow! So, 
So, so that was the end of Twitter for me. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've been doing good. We've been doing good since this whole thing exploded good. a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we, we've been doing it right. So. Well, good. I, and I appreciate you having me on tonight. I'm, hopefully I provided some value for people. Um, and again, I appreciate you taking the time and I appreciate you being a voice because I, there are not enough people out there being, being a voice and, and it, it's probably, you know, it can be scary and, and we all have things to lose and, you know, there's nothing more important than, than telling truth, especially well, I, in a time when the truth is, 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 is unpopular. I appreciate you coming on and, and now looking at us like we're too small and, and giving us an opportunity to, uh, to, uh, you know, get the word out to everybody and, no, and hopefully not, no. maybe, you know, we can do this again in the future. I would be happy to, I can find something a little bit more organized. I, I like, so there's just, again, there's so much that we could talk about and we can just run for hours and hours and hours. And I know yeah. we're, we're already, already too long for, yeah. for the YouTube crowd. So um, I, I'll let you end it now, but again, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. And um, good luck to your, your podcast. I'd be happy to be on in the future. Hey, um, thanks. I appreciate it. Stuff, okay. Thanks so much. Okay, take care. Have a great night. You too, right. buddy. Okay, bye-bye. Everybody else, I'm going to post the links. Uh, you know, make sure you share it. It's the most important thing. Uh, and, and keep 